Well, that song does pretty well summarize uh, what I have for you this afternoon. Uh, we want to look at, if you think about the book of Psalms, and many of the Psalms, not all, but many were written by David. And uh, a Psalm is an interesting thing because it's, it's written as a, as a praise to God or a, 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 a plea to God. Often it's a it was a function of the situation that David found himself in, and so he took those occasions to plead to God or to, to praise him on behalf of what was in his heart at the time. And, you know, we know that David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, but there's some interesting things is that there's some references to Christ, and so you can think, well, how can that be? How could, how could this guy who, was, who didn't know about Jesus, because it was many generations before Christ were to come, uh, how could these things, these prophecies, become part of, um, part of the Psalms? And I, I think it's almost as if the Holy Spirit took hold of the pen in the midst of a psalm and wrote in some things that would make perfect sense to uh, Christians as we look back on that. And, and it's not just... You know, if you look at the psalm, we're going to look at Psalms 2 today, and it's not just that psalm, but if you were to look at all these pieces, I believe there's, there's some 353 different, or at least according to one account, 353 different Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of Christ. Uh, and so it's not as if he wrote out, okay, here's the prophecies of Christ, and he wrote it all in one place. But these things are interspersed in different books in different places throughout the Old Testament. And one such place is Psalms, and we're going to look at Psalms chapter 2. So in looking at Psalms, it's kind of like this picture that I've got here. So what's the age of the woman that you see? Is she older or is she young? Well, many of you have probably seen this before. But uh, the answer is either one, depending on how you look at the picture. Uh, if you're looking, if you see the, the, uh, the jawbone of the younger woman is right here, and so this is her face, and then if you, if you see down here, this is the chin of the older woman. And so you could see it either way. And that's kind of, we have to be able to toggle through and look at Psalms in that way, that... You look at it both from the perspective of, yes, it's, it's David writing, but then there's some allusions to Christ, and in some cases it could possibly be both. So uh, we want to look at this, and, and the thing you notice about Psalms, uh, Psalms chapter 2 specifically, is look at, I want you to notice David's confidence in God. And this is probably written at a time where David was king. Uh, he, he had perhaps conquered many, uh, many different nations. And he was sitting and he was just contemplating God's grace and God's power and how he had worked through them to conquer all those lands. So he said, why do, the, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then He shall speak to them in His wrath and 
distress them in his deep displeasure. So, you know, just like with when David was asked or when he volunteered to fight the great giant Goliath, you know, most people would look at that and see that giant Philistine over there and think, I don't want any of them. David didn't look at it that way. David looked at Goliath and said, how dare he stand against the armies of God? He is way out of his league. He is way overmatched. And that's the way David saw this, is David saw the power of God. No matter what nations they were going to face, no matter what the physical reality may have been, the, the, the spiritual reality was that if God was in their corner, then all these other nations of the world would have no, no chance against them. And he goes on and he says, Yet I have set my king on my holy mountain of Zion. We know this is referring to Jerusalem. So let's ask the question right there. Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about Christ? I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Well, David was not the begotten son of God. He was a chosen vessel of God. He was chosen to lead God's people, but he wasn't. And so again, I think as we talked about, you can see that it's almost as if the Holy Spirit comes in and takes over the pen and writes a prophecy that is, again, if it were just by itself, you might overlook that. But put with some other 353 different prophecies, you can see that that's one more piece that says that when this king is set up, it's going to happen in Jerusalem, and it's going to be a person that's called the Son of God. Not David, but the Son of God, and actually begotten of him. So we know in Hebrews, in Hebrews in chapter 1, he tells us this, that God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. It's kind of a mark of authenticity that, that anybody else that claimed Muhammad, claiming to be a chosen prophet of God, but to my knowledge, he didn't ever claim to be the Son of God. And there's no story around him as such that he was actually the begotten of God. Jesus was, and it was known in the land that he was born of a virgin. And that his mother was a woman named Mary, but that his father was the Holy Spirit. He was born of God. He says, in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, who has appointed heir of all things through whom he has made the world. We, we remember this passage in, in Matthew chapter 3, that when John the Baptist uh, baptizes Jesus, he comes up out of the water, and, and one, as a voice came from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So again, we see the prophecy happens in Psalms, but then its fulfillment clearly in several places in the New Testament. So back into Hebrews chapter 1, it refers to Jesus as being the brightness of His, who's His, talking about God or talking about the Father. 
Him being the brightness of His glory and the expressed image of its person. I saw this definition over here on the right, and I really liked it. You know, in, in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus is referred to as the Word. Sometimes that's a little bit hard to, to understand. But the term over here on the right helped me kind of get that. Is If you think of it as Jesus was the, he was the divine expression. In other words, He was God that came in the form of man to live here as a human. As Dusty pointed out in his story this morning, that that was what was necessary to show man the way. So in the Gospel of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, or this divine expression of God's love and God's will upon, in the earth. And the Word was, He was there, He was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning, He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. So He wasn't, he wasn't out of loop on anything that was made. And then in, more, in verse 14 of that same chapter, he says, And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. It came here. His, God's divine love or divine expression came to the world and became a man for a period of time. He says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, and this is, again, Referring back to that prophecy in Psalms chapter 2 and verse number 7, he says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my begotten son, today I have begotten you? Well, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is to none. Only to this man, only to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And again, I will be, be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So Dusty talked a lot this morning about Jesus' commitment to His purpose. And you know, as humans, we have our goals, we have things that we focus on, but most of us will acknowledge that from time to time, we can kind of get off track. We can, we can start chasing rabbits down trails, and then we get pretty far down that trail, and we realize, oh, wait a minute, the goal's over here. Uh, perhaps we're trying to save some money, and... You know, we want to save some money for a retirement or for, for some particular purpose. And then, but you know, all these other good things come up and I just had to, well, I had to have one of those. And so pretty soon we find ourselves off course. We've, I know we've all been there. Most of us have. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, His mission was central to His entire life. And it was that way, undoubtedly, every day that He lived... And nowhere is it more clear than on the, the very evening before His crucifixion. He knows His time is up. He knows He's about to be taken and crucified. And so in John chapter 17, He goes to the Father and He says this, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, o Father, glorify me together with yourself and with the glory that I had with you, all the world was. He'd finished his course. He'd done what he was set out to do. He was sent as a messenger of God and he had completed that. And he knew that his time was short and he was about to die a horrible death. But his focus was 
If you read the rest of that prayer, his focus was on his followers, those that would, those that would t- carry on that mission. He prayed that they would be one and that they would, they would be the ambassadors that he needed to be, that they needed to be to continue the work as he, as he was soon to die. So then, how does this apply to us? Well, in, in Romans chapter 7 it says, For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. You ever think about that? You ever think about, here's Jesus completely and totally immersed in His mission to serve the Father. But you and I are an adopted child of God. And so if we are adopted into that family, aren't we required to follow the same set of rules? Shouldn't we do as He did? You know, think about the process of adoption. Adoption is really an incredible thing. It's really a beautiful thing. And it's almost always a win-win. You know, there's about 135,000 adoptions annually in the United States. And of the non-step-parent adoption, that is where, a, where there's, a, there's a parent, or the man marries a woman and maybe the lady has a child and the man chooses to adopt the child, that type of situation, 39, or 59% are from child welfare. Now, that tells you that they're not coming out of good situations. Um, there's 26 that are from other, 26% from other countries and 15% uh, voluntarily relinquished from American parents. If you think about an adoption, an adoption is almost always, if not always, the best thing that could have happened to that particular kid. For either the parent that had them didn't love them and just wanted to get rid of them, or they did love them, but they loved them enough to recognize that their current situation, they could not provide them a proper home, and they let them go. And they're taken in by this family who desperately wants to have them, who is willing to pay a price. It, it's hard to adopt. There's, there's standards you have to meet. It's, it's costly to adopt. And in all of those cases, those families that take those children in, they desperately want that child. But I want you to think about how that parent would feel to go to all the expense to love that child, to bring them into a warm, inviting, comfortable home, and to look out the window and then want to go back to what they'd come from. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine they're in this nice, warm, loving house, people that care for them, and they look out and they want to return to the, the crime and disease and drugs and everything else that's out there that maybe, 
maybe part of the environment they left. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how heartbreaking that would be for those adoptive parents? Well, I think obviously the analogy is pretty clear. You and I are the adopted child of God. He has taken us from a world of sin and He's brought us in and gave us, as it says in Peter, He's made us partakers of the heavenly nature. or the, uh, Yeah, the heavenly nature. He's made us partakers of that. And for us to look back at sin and somehow see something and think, you know, I need to experience that. The thing about Satan is he can take that shack and make it look so attractive in the form of sin. He can take sin and make it look like it's something that's really good and really beautiful and put out the, the message that if you don't do that, you're going to miss out. You know, I've talked to work in the school business for a lot of years. I've talked to a lot of kids that uh, would do things and you would ask them about it later and it just made no sense the things they would, the reckless things they would try and they said they didn't want to have any regrets. I don't want to have no regrets. They wanted to try everything and do everything in life. I mean, if, if people are preaching against drugs, what am I missing if I'm not doing drugs? Or if... Uh, if, if, I'm not, if I'm not having uh, relationships with young men or young women uh, before marriage, what am I missing out if I don't do that? Uh, all of those things are... And, and Satan has a way of making those things which really look like that, making them look very appealing. But put us back in that spot with, with the Father who has adopted us, who has adopted us to be one of His, to be in a home that cares and loves for us enough that He sent Jesus to do what He did, and then we want to look at that and say, sign me up? Makes no sense, does it? And yet people will do that. There's a, Dusty and I were talking a little bit before... Um, Church, and I just want to refer you to a, a passage in 1 John. And in chapter number 3, in verse number 1, John says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. In other words, do we not understand what that means? What the power of that love? And I think about those adoptive parents that might say a similar thing to their child as that child was beginning to stray and they'd been adopted and, and pulled into this loving family and they were trying to break away and live a life that was going to take them down a wrong road. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we, you and I, should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. In the, in the, book of, in the gospel of John in chapter 8 and verse 44, it talks about 
Jesus is talking and arguing with the Pharisees there, and they didn't, they didn't acknowledge him. And they didn't acknowledge his works. And, he's, and Jesus said that essentially tells them that they're, if, they, if they were of God, they would acknowledge him of being of God. But because their father was of the devil, they didn't like that. But Jesus spoke to them plainly and truthfully. The reason that they were, the reason that he said that is because that's whose works they were doing. So let's, let's be committed today that we're going we're gonna to be the adopted child of God. We're going to live the way the Father has designed us to live. We're going to be appreciative that He took us out of a world of sin and He gave us a place that's so much better. It's not only better in the next life, it's better in this life. It'll lead to a happier, better, more productive life right here and now as well as to, a, to um, eternal salvation, which I know we all want. Uh, this, this afternoon, if we can assist you um, in any way, then we would ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.